God, we thank you for the passage of Scripture that has been read to us, for James' warning about the way we use our words. And we pray that we would uh, hear that warning clearly and that we would be challenged in the ways that we speak. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I don't know that there are many phrases or pieces of advice that are less true than that. Uh, The fact is that words do wound. They hurt. Not just children, they hurt adults as well. This is absolutely true. In fact, when I think back to my childhood, I can't really remember many details about the times when I was physically hurt, whether by sticks or stones or anything else. I, I know that there were shoving matches and there was a few things that happened, but you know the details are, are pretty vague when I think back. But when I look back to the times when uh, harsh words were used, the really cutting uh, things that were said, I can remember those things clearly. Not only can I remember the words that were said, I can actually picture where I was when those things took place. That's how clear those things are. Now, was I just an overly sensitive kid? Perhaps. But society has recognized that words are harmful. We are very aware of the dangers of bullying. And we could get into a long conversation about whether the the warnings against bullying have gone too far and what exactly is bullying. Uh, If you hear uh, uh, something that you disagree with, is that considered bullying? We could go down that rabbit trail, but we're not. But we do recognize that there is real bullying that is happening. And oftentimes that bullying is not just leading to emotional harm, but it actually leads uh, sometimes to physical harm, and it sometimes is leading to suicide. And there are uh, so many examples that we can think of even just recently, whether it is teenagers or even adults who have felt uh, attacked by words so much that it's the pain is unbearable and they ultimately uh, kill themselves with suicide. And it is just terrible to hear those stories. I mean, I, I talk to my children, and they feel sorry for me that I grew up in a world without the Internet. But I have to tell you, I am so thankful that I lived my teenage years in a world apart from social media, that I'd never had to worry about those things, that the words could be said, and then no one would necessarily see or hear those words ever again. We shouldn't, as Christians, be surprised to know that words have power. Uh, When we look back to creation, how was it that God created? He spoke. He spoke the world into being. There is power in words. Now, we cannot create uh, whole worlds with our words, but we can build up and we can tear down with the words we use. And that's what exactly what James is talking about here. He is very much aware of the danger of our words, of our tongue. Even though our tongue is like such a small part of our body, it is the part that is the most difficult to tame. Even think about uh, how we can tame animals. We we sometimes watch videos of these people uh, who have tamed lions and tigers and and bears, and you see them, they're they're like uh, hugging them and they're cuddling with them, and and it looks a lot of fun to, to, to watch it. Uh, but somehow they've been able to tame these incredibly dangerous animals 
And yet, can we tame our tongue? Can we, can we control the words that we have? And James acknowledges that's not really what we see. We see it's the hardest thing for us to do. And one of the things that James says is that we use our tongue to praise God. And then immediately we turn around and we begin to curse one another. Uh, we can just sing this uh, an incredible song. We can sing, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing our great Redeemer's praise. And then immediately turn around and point to the person in the next pew and say, I heard that this person did this. Or do you want to know what that person did? And we can just tear each other down within minutes of having spoken the praises of God. Can you imagine having a guest over for a visit and it's time to serve dessert and you hand them this delicious dessert and as you do that, you just comment, oh, by the way, the spoon that's in your dessert, that's the one I use to clean the kitty litter. Now, you would never do that, right? Well, hopefully you wouldn't, you wouldn't give it to them without saying it, but hopefully you're not using that same spoon for kitty litter and serving dessert to guests. But is that not the same thing that we do when we use our tongue to praise God and then to tear other people down? It's the same concept. And so that's that's really what James is warning about. And what I want to take a look at this morning are four ways, uh, dangerous ways that we use our words, harmful ways that we use our words. And some of these things perhaps will will really hit close to home, but we need to be aware that the first step is being aware, and then we need to take steps to change. So we're going to take a look at each of these. The first thing that I want to look at is actually something that doesn't come out of a wicked heart. It's not about people who are trying to cause harm. And in some ways, it makes it more harmful because we know that it is so unintentional. And that is the thoughtless words that people say. Sometimes there's something going on and we feel the need to fill the silence. Uh, Something bad has taken place, some tragedy perhaps, uh, a personal uh, difficulty. We, someone has just shared the struggles they're going through, and all of a sudden there's that awkward silence. And we feel, we've got to say something. We've got to fill this void. Something has got to be said. So we, we just say the first thing that comes to our mind. And oftentimes it is something that is not good. We have experienced this uh, ourselves, and, and I know I've shared these examples before, but uh, for Amanda and I, uh, we lost our first child in a miscarriage. And so people were aware of it. We were we were open about what we had gone through because I feel as a part of a Christian community, we should be able to to find support within our uh, our community. But some of the things that people said, I tell you, was not helpful at all. Uh, I can still remember, and I remember where I was when this person came up to me and said, uh, this is just after it happened, said, you know, um, one in three uh, uh, pregnancies end in miscarriage, so this is not really that big of a thing. Now, was he being truthful? Well, maybe. I haven't looked at the stats. That probably is, is pr- pretty accurate, so he, I don't think that he was lying. Uh, was he trying to be helpful? I think so. I don't think he was trying to make it uh, hard, but it was the last thing we needed to hear. As we were grieving the loss of our child, to have someone come up to us and say, you know what, it's really not that big of a thing. It was not helpful. Uh, Another example is when our children were diagnosed with autism. Again, people felt the need to, to come alongside, which is good, and then to somehow give meaning. 
And one of the common things that people had was that, you know, uh, God gave your children autism because uh, he knew what great parents you were. And so he knew that you could handle it. That's why he chose you to have the children with autism. And again, they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to, uh, to praise us in our parenting abilities and all of that kind of thing. But it doesn't help, okay? It makes it worse when those kind of things happen. The fact is, you don't have to say something. Uh, you can just be silent. In times like that, it's fine just to be present. And we can be silent in those moments. So think about what you're about to say. And think about how you would respond if someone said something like that. And if you have some doubt, just keep your mouth shut. Just let it go and just be present. The second thing that I wanted to look at is what I call discouragement. And I, I almost called it criticism because we, we know of people who are extremely critical. But I didn't want to call it criticism because criticism can be positive. There are times that we need to hear some healthy criticism. Uh, I was once uh, at my uh, previous church, uh, the, uh, I had a couple of people who said, you know, uh, Steve, you, you're, you're a great pastor, but during the songs, we can really hear your voice. So if you want to just step a little bit away from the mic. <laughs> and I understood why they were doing it. And they did it, they did it privately. And they, they, there was a lot of, uh, they were worried about how I would react. And I understood. I knew. I, it's not like I thought that I was a great singer. And I actually didn't know that the sound person wasn't shutting off my mic. So if I had known that uh, the mic was still on, I would have stepped away. So it was fine. It was nothing that was uh, done in a bad spirit. But I'm, t- I'm thinking more of discouragement. There are people who are extremely negative, And they, they feel like their spiritual gift is that of discouragement. When someone is excited about an idea, the first thing that they do is they got to bury that idea in every reason why it can't work. They don't listen to what's going on. They don't even allow the person to enjoy the moment of having, having an exciting idea. They just have to fill it with negative ideas. It won't work. It's a bad idea. It's completely stupid. And this is why you shouldn't even have brought it up. It is something that is so common. And it can be so difficult when you're trying to make uh, a difference, and you want to do something, and all you hear is the negativity. Now, it might be that in your idea, there are some problems, and maybe it is a bad idea, or maybe it's a good idea, but there is some problems with the way you're going about it. That's fine, but we can take a moment to allow a person to be excited, to be thinking outside the box, to want to do something, to be passionate about something. We, we can actually encourage someone in that and then help them along the way to try to figure out how to do that. Uh, we can have a, an open mind. We can take some time to listen and to learn. And it might be that their idea is a good idea, even if we see problems with it. There have been times that something has been brought up And I think, you know, that's not going to work, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And then I watch and I'm amazed at how well it works. That I realize that that uh, cynicism I had about that was completely unfounded. And I I did the right thing of not shutting it down. So we should not be that discouraging person. We should actually do the opposite and try to be encouraging. 
Now, when we move to the next one, we're going into a new area because I think for some people, uh, for being thoughtless ideas, there are people who are just are impulsive. They say the first thing that comes to their mind. Uh, for those who are discouraging and for, who are, are negative, uh, maybe that's just their, their personality. They're pessimistic by nature. Uh, hopefully it's not because uh, they're afraid that someone else is going to prosper and they're going to be the ones left in the shadow. But when we come to this next one, it is a negative thing, and that is gossip. Okay, It's about uh, going and sharing things that should not be shared with people who do not need to hear that information. And that is something that can absolutely tear people's lives apart when people gossip about them. And with social media, we have uh, the opportunity to gossip about people to an ever wider audience, that we can get all that information right out. And once it's out, it's out there forever. So we have to be so careful about this. And unfortunately, the church is particularly susceptible to this under the guise of prayer requests, okay? It is very easy for us to gather together and say, well, you know, I really feel like we need to pray for so-and-so, and this is why. And then you spend uh, 35 minutes just going into details of all the dirt, of all that's going on, and then you have a two-minute prayer. And that's how you know that you are doing it as gossip and not just as a prayer request. When you are spending far more time uh, uh, gobbling up all the juicy information than you are actually praying for the need. The fact is, when there is a need, you know that so-and-so is going through a difficult time. You do not have to share all of that information. And it's important for you to actually find out if you're even allowed to share that information. There are many times things are told to me privately, and and I know that I can pray for that person. I can even encourage people to pray for that. But I don't share the details because I don't have the permission to do that. It was told in confidence. And even if they don't tell me that, I ask, is there any point of sharing the details? Is it really going to help? Because think about how prayer works. Do we really need to fill God in on all the details? Are we really giving him information that he's hearing for the first time? I don't think so. We can pray for a person and just say, God, we know that this person is going through a difficult time. You know what is happening in their lives far more than we do. And we can spend that time praying for them and lifting them up. I know sometimes it's hard for us to know uh, when we are, are straying from the prayer request to the gossip. But there are ways to know. Because when it's gossip, there actually is a physical reaction inside you that you, you kind of lean into it. There's that desire, oh, I hope, I hope I can hear something really good here. I hope that I have something that I can impress people that I can share this information. Another way to know is why is this being shared? Sometimes the gossip is being shared because of our own insecurities. And so uh, maybe I'm feeling bad about my marriage, but I hear that so-and-so is really going through this hard time, so I can gossip about them. It makes me feel, well, maybe things aren't so bad because I can share about so-and-so's marriage and, and how everything is going bad for them. If you were doing it to make yourself feel better, then it is gossip. It is not a prayer request. Now, when it comes to gossip, there's actually two very, very important responses. And I want you to hear this because both are extremely important. There's an active response 
and a passive response. So, uh, for one, when people, uh, for the first part is just don't gossip, okay? Like that's, it's as simple as that. Don't gossip. You hear something, you're tempted, and I feel the temptation. When I hear something juicy, I, I, I can feel it inside me. But just don't do it. If it's going to be harmful, if it's not going to be beneficial, and if you don't have the person's permission, don't share it. But here's the other thing. What happens when you are in a group of people and the gossip is happening? How do you respond? Now, you can respond by saying, well, you know what, I'm not actually gossiping, and I am not planning on passing it on to anyone, but I'm going to stand and listen to it. Why not? You know, it's kind of enjoyable to hear it, and uh, so as long as it, it doesn't go past me, it's fine. It's better for us to stop it and say, listen, I don't think you need to share that. I don't want to hear it. Uh, this is not something that should be, be being passed around. This is harmful, so please don't share this kind of thing with me. And I've stopped people before to say, you know what, this does not need to be said. And so we can respond in that way. And then we move to the final one that we're going to look at, and that is lying. Now, this one is is very, very important. Uh, this is found in the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not bear false witness. It is extremely important. It goes against the nature of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. Jesus is truth embodied. In fact, uh, Jesus, when he encountered lies, he called those people the children of the devil, the children of the father of lies. In fact, that name devil, which we don't really talk about very often, but that name devil literally means slanderer. That's what that word means, slanderer. It's about lying. Lying destroys people's lives. Now, it destroyed people's lives in the ancient world because oftentimes their whole legal system was based on uh, not professional lawyers or uh, uh, official courts, but the elders and the people of the community uh, talking and sharing and coming to a verdict. And so if people lied, it, it literally destroyed people's lives. But today, it continues to destroy people's lives as people lie about different things. Uh, people uh, have uh, a problem with someone. They come up with a story. We hear so much about fake news today, right? Fake news is used to try to destroy people. We have an agenda, uh, and usually that agenda is uh, responding to a particular person, and so we are willing to share whatever will help our side, even if it is not true. And it is something that is absolutely terrible. So we cannot lie. However, what does that look like? The opposite of lying is not just telling the truth. It's telling the truth in love, okay? So we're not supposed to lie, but does that mean if we're in a church service, and you notice that uh, there's uh, someone in the in the pews uh, who sings a bit off-key, uh, should you go up to them after the service and say, you know, I just want to let you know uh, that when you sing, it sounds horrible. It just ruins my Sunday. I just, you are, you are off-key, and uh, I just don't like it. So I just want to let you know. I hope you have a, a wonderful day. Uh, that is telling the truth, but is that really helpful? Uh, the, the example, of course, is always given is uh, if uh, your spouse says, uh, does this outfit make me look fat? What do you say in, in that case? Now, it, it's, it's, a, it's always hard. You don't, you don't lie. You're not supposed to lie. But you have to ask, is it always right 
to offer everything that is completely true in your mind. And it is really hard to figure that out. I will say, don't lie. Absolutely do not lie. But there are times that we can keep our mouth shut about certain things. Uh, if uh, we feel something towards someone, uh, we don't have to go up and unload uh, the truth on them and say, this is the way things are. Uh, there are a lot of times that I could say truthful things that I know would be harmful, and I hold back on that. In order to actually find that balance, what we need to do is follow what Jesus taught, which is the golden rule, okay? We want people to speak truth to us, but we want people to be truthful to us. So uh, when we are trying to figure out how to respond, simply ask the golden rule, uh, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. So how would you want them to speak? How would you want them to share the truth? In what way would that be? Uh, what are the things that you would just wish people were silent about? And what are the things that you wish people would actually come and say, I need to speak truth into your life? Think about those things for yourself and then apply that to how you're going to treat others. Now, all of this comes from the words of James, where he warns us about how we use our tongues. And he is so clear here. He sets he's, uh, that our tongue sets, sets the fires of hell. That's how he uses his words. He can't be any stronger than that. Now, when we look at this letter from James, we have to realize who James is. Tradition tells us that this was the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, And when we look to the Gospels, we see that James and the other brothers, they rejected Jesus, that they didn't believe who he was, that they publicly opposed him. And in fact, we see in the Gospel of John, they openly mocked Jesus in his claims and in his ministry. Now, was James thinking of those words when he was writing this epistle? Was he thinking about how he wounded his own brother who happened to be Jesus Christ, did he think about how those words were wounding? I don't know. I can't say for sure. But we can think about our words. What are the things that we regret saying? What are the things that were thoughtless words that we had, we meant to say something nice and then it just came out wrong? What are the ways in which uh, someone has shared something exciting and we just immediately buried it in negativity? What are the times that, that we heard a story and, and we knew we'd get some attention because we we're going to share that story with others? And what are the times that we've lied, that we have been against someone, so we shared something that we knew were false? We can't remove the words of the past, but we can think about what we're saying in the present, and we can intend for the future that our words do not wound. Let us pray. God, when we read the, the Gospel of John, we're introduced to Jesus under the title of the Word. In the beginning was the Word. God, we do not create in the same way with our words, but we do have the opportunity to build up and we have the ability to tear down. Help us to be careful in what we say. Help us to have the discipline to think about what the consequences are. 
about how people will respond, how people will feel. Lord, help us to have the discipline we need. In Christ's name, Amen.